You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, YouTube? Welcome to the Fightful Boxing Podcast, April 29th. I am Carlos Toro, joined by Sean Rossap, your boy. We'll be joined by Stephen Mulehouse in, in a bit, but Sean is going to be here for a little while to entertain the masses. That's hey, what I'm here to do, and I'll be talking a little bit about the entertainment aspect of this fight before Stephen joins us. Carlos, this is the best possible thing that could have happened to boxing for this event, for this fight. All the cards fell into the favor of the sport. My goodness, absolutely. And, you know, we've – I've talked with some people about 2016, and it was a down year for the sport. And the fact that this year so far has started off just phenomenally with so many major fights. And we have another one next Saturday with Julio Cesar Chavez and Canel Alvarez, but – Honestly, the sport is so much better with the heavyweight division being interesting. And we have a brand new king of the heavyweights, as I'm now going to call Anthony Joshua. Knocked down Vladimir Klitschko three times, two times in the 11th round. And this was far from a boring fight. This was one of the most entertaining heavyweight fights I've seen in a long, long time. It was perfect, and you got a lot of questions. Well, a lot of question marks answered uh, as it pertains to Anthony Joshua. He went past eight rounds for the first time. He overcame adversity. I mean, he got knocked down right after it looked like he emptied his gas tank against Klitschko. Then he said, no, I'm just going to switch gears a little bit, came back hard in that 10th and 11th round, and put Klitschko away. That was phenomenal in front of 90,000 at Wembley. And now you have all these people like boxing. I wrote wrote an article that will release tomorrow at 8 a.m. Boxing did it right. And that doesn't even involve the fight itself from the entrances to the production, to the venue, to opening up fights. I mean, if Fury can get his stuff together, there you go. If Wilder wants it, there you go. Ortiz is still there too. There are a lot of options right now for boxing, but the fight itself was nothing short of outstanding. Yeah, and Steve and I will get more into the into the logistics of the fight and all the technical aspects. But you're you're absolutely right. This this fight has been phenomenal. Everything about this fight was just incredible. Uh, Steve and I were just talking in, on the Thursday show. The marketing for this fight, the promotion for this fight, was about as good as you can expect. And 
Eddie Hearn, who promotes Anthony Joshua, is arguably the best promoter in the sport right now. They've done tons of press tours in the United States to build up hype for this fight. And the fact that this fight is on Showtime and then it's going to be later on tonight at HBO, it just shows the absolute magnitude for this fight. I think it's going to do potentially record-breaking TV numbers for Showtime. As Honestly, how often do you actually see Showtime and HBO working together for any type of deal? And, you know, on the state side and now on at Wembley Stadium, 90,000. They broke the previous record by 10,000 people. Oh, yeah. It was. This, and, and this has far-reaching ramifications into other sports and forms of entertainment. It makes you wonder, why doesn't WWE run huge shows in England? Why didn't the UFC do everything that they could to get Conor McGregor in Croke Park? When you put the perfect fight in the perfect venue at the perfect time, Special things like this happen. And I wrote in, I wrote in the column, they made a 90,000-seat arena look like a 200,000-seat arena. The production was magnificent. Like this, this was what boxing needed because, as you mentioned, it was a down year. And no matter what happens, you're always going to hear the boxing is dead stuff. Even if McGregor or Mayweather or Pacquiao sell like 4 million pay-per-view buys. After that, kind of goes downhill. And fights like this show you uh, that ain't the case. Yeah, boxing is far from dead. Uh, that's a tired, beaten, dead horse narrative. And this fight on this night made it look like boxing was the biggest sport in the world because you had a hometown guy. Well, not a hometown guy. Is he – Is he? I know he's British, obviously, but uh, winning, overcoming adversity to win, he's, he looked like the biggest star in the world. It was a phenomenal night for boxing. Yeah, and you mentioned in you talk about WWE and you talk about UFC and how they're far and above more important, more popular than boxing. You, you think about this, and Mauro Ronaldo on the on the broadcast on the pre-fight broadcast was just saying that he's been to WrestleMania and it doesn't compare in terms of atmosphere to what we witnessed in London just now. I mean, let's face it, ninety thousand people just came for one fight. We, when was the last time WrestleMania legitimately sold 90,000 tickets for a whole card? Well, I think they may have last year. I'll have to look. But, I mean, that was, that was for an entire card, and it was one time ever. And that was the record. That was the best they ever did. Boxing can do this. Boxing can, and they, they showed that they can after a down year. Imagine if boxing was, you know, we got this all the time. Imagine, you know, something special happens between Canelo and Cesar Chavez. Imagine Tyson Fury gets his head on straight. Imagine Deontay Wilder breaks through. If we have a very big, healthy heavyweight division, that's the start. That's the catalyst. Because in America, it ta- you know, outside of uh, Floyd Mayweather, a booming, healthy heavyweight division is, uh, especially among English speakers, that goes a long way. And, uh, Seeing an Anthony Joshua explode like that, a guy who a lot of people thought it was too soon. Some of his own people thought it was too soon. It wasn't too soon. And, you know, I, Carlos, this is more of a question for you. What's the possibility of a rematch happening as opposed to a Wilder, a Fury, a Blue, an Ortiz, anybody like that? I want to say, say that could be the immediate rematch, but it was going to take some time. 
other guys such as Wilder, actually, uh, someone Adam Pearson on the live chat was just saying Wilder and Baloo just challenge each other when on the Sky Sports broadcast. So that could be a big fight. Uh, yeah, I think Tyson Fury. That might be closer for a 2018 fight because we don't know when he's going to come back. We don't know if he'll ever get his head on straight. But if he does, I would imagine that he'll tr- want to fight a guy like Joseph Parker who holds the WBO heavyweight title and then make that a true unification bout between Joshua and uh, Fury. And so right now, I think this is a, this is great for the heavyweight division. I think Joshua and Klitschko, they could totally do a, a fight in October November because neither guy are or really that hurt. Klitschko he got a pretty swollen left eye from a cut from that fourth round in which he got knocked okay. down. But yeah, I mean there really isn't going to be too much uh, recovery time in terms of maybe needing uh, a ton of rest because honestly they've done a they've done a ton of they hit each other a lot, but I think that it isn't anything that's too serious in the long term. And Stephen Mielhausen said he'll be joining us in a second. Ooh, nice. Well, let's, before he hops in, I want to mention, a boxing is starting to fill their cupboard back up with stars, even old guys like Pacquiao coming out of retirement, Floyd Mayweather playing the hokey pokey with Conor McGregor, all that stuff. So you're starting to get some, some names like that. But when you got Deontay Wilder emerging to the casual fans, and I, I know that the the PBC numbers haven't been what boxing expected, but people are going to find out about this Anthony Joshua Klitschko fight. There's just no way you can't. It was a special fight at a special time in a special place. That's going to, uh, it's going to just, it's going to help. But those entrances, and we talked about WrestleMania. Joshua didn't have an entrance song. He had an entrance album. (laughs) That that felt like I, I got to have somebody clock that entrance. It felt like it was fifteen minutes, and I wasn't tired of it. I was like, I was like, man, he's never went beyond eight rounds. This this entrance is going to get to him. I was like, I was like that's two right there. That entrance is two rounds. That's he's cooked. No, that was that was unbelievable. It was the production was incredible. The entrance was incredible, and. When you have a fight that not only lives up to what they put in the production, but exceeds it, and then the question marks after the fight even exceed the fight itself and the entrances and the production, that's, that's a damn good thing. Because, I mean, it's boxing. You can't book your own finishes. You can book and hope that you get the finishes that you want and set up a situation like this where it's not, you know, you're not limited. Like when Tyson Fury won, it's like, oh boy, what's going to happen now? And we all saw what happened. Uh, I, I want to know what you think is next for uh, Anthony Joshua. And do you think that they will approach? Do you think they're going to make this effort? Like I said, perfect time, perfect place, perfect opponent, perfect venue. I mean, this this was this was the perfect encapsulation of smart promoting. Yeah, I mean, listen, I know there's a, there's likely going to be a rematch between Klitschko and Joshua, but I wouldn't put it past Eddie Hearn to say, okay, Tyson, if you show me that you are clean and you have your head on straight, there's no reason to believe they can't do 90,000 again at Wembley. I mean, Fury I mean, was a big, 
got got so popular in Britain after seemingly doing the impossible because at some point we all kind of thought or when will Klitschko actually lose and now you have two guys that done it two British British boxers I can see this happening I can see this also happening later in the year and holding off on a Klitschko rematch but I think the smarter thing is to do that rematch still capitalize while the iron is hot and let's face it Klitschko's 41 I mean if you if you hold on to that fight for uh, longer than it's needed, I mean, I don't think you're going to get as good a fight uh, as we just witnessed because it was a fantastic fight. How much ta- how much gas do you think Klitschko has left in the tank as as far as it pertains to his career? Because he took he took a long layoff before this fight. I mean, he hadn't fought since the Tyson Fury fight in November 2015. His last win is now two years ago. How much does he have left to give? I mean, if you ask me, he's still a top five heavyweight. I don't know if he he, can, did, he, he dropped. He did drop Joshua. Yeah, he did. Wasn't like and, he was styled on the whole time. Yeah, I, I think he can definitely uh, hold his own against Anthony Joshua. Uh, he can hold his own against Tyson Fury. I'm actually curious what a Fury Klitschko rematch would be. Maybe make mm-hmm. that a a IBF or a WBA eliminator. Because the WBA and the and WBO are so fond of eliminators in the past month, that I could see that happening. But really, outside of maybe okay, you got Joshua, uh, you got Fury, maybe you got Joseph Parker, and maybe Deontay Wilder. But I still think I give the edge to Klitschko against Wilder. But after that, I really don't think Klitschko would have any problems against any other heavyweights out there outside of maybe King Kong Ortiz, but we don't know when he's going to fight. It's almost, it's weird when he'll fight, but if, but if he does and he's at his best, he could give anybody, including Anthony Joshua, a lot of trouble. A lot of hate in the live chat for Tyson Fury. Now I'm a very casual boxing fan. I leave that to yourself and Steve Muehlhausen and Joe Hulbert, Constantine Eckner, even Gabe Oppenheim on occasion. Uh, as we're joined by by Stephen Muehlhausen, hey. explain to me why Tyson Fury is looked not just not just looked down upon. Like I, I'm seeing straight up disgust in regards to a Tyson Fury, even though he beat Klitschko a year and a half ago. Because he's crazy. And that's really the extent of it. He's he's crazy. It, I mean, he's he's obviously seen as a black eye to the sport, but wrong. Um, is black guy the wrong word? Absolutely. You know, you look at you look at him in general, and you look. You were talking about the fight with Klitschko. That what if you look at tonight and look at seventeen months ago, night and day of what we saw against Vladimir Klitschko. I've been told there were some things at the time he was going through that really affected him going into that fight. And you just see, you go at the age of forty-one, and we talked about this the other day. If 41 years of age, he shouldn't be doing what he did. And I think if that Vladimir, this Vladimir Klitschko fought Tyson Fury 17 months ago, Tyson Fury wouldn't have made it about the third round. Tyson Fury is not Tyson Fury's not that good of a fighter. Look at what he did after the fact. Postponed this fight twice with Klitschko. The fight ended up not happening. He had to relinquish his heavyweight titles, snorted coke, and ate a lot of Twinkies. 
This is and he's balloon. He now he has to lose a hundred pounds just to get to the heavyweight limit of two hundred and sixty-five pounds. Oh lord! This guy doesn't take it seriously. He just really doesn't. Is he a joke? I don't want to say that much because he was a former heavyweight champion of the world. If he never comes back, I will say he's a joke. But right now, that's mm-hmm. to be determined. Well, I'll let you guys get into uh, breaking down the fight from a technical standpoint. It was fun to join you guys and, and just you know school you all basically on boxing the whole time. See you guys <laughs> no, later. I your Sean, I, I was going to say, I haven't uh, seen Sean. And give me one. Now, wow. First, I'll start with wow. Uh, Carlos Toro, Steve Milhausen, I joined a couple minutes late. I had an article I had to finish up for another publication, so I do apologize for being a few minutes late. And you got this nice, like, good grin on your face here. And, wow. Words can't describe this. And for the people that are just watching, this is the Fightful Boxing Podcast. Carlos Toro, Steve Milhausen, thank you guys for watching. And we've seen a fight for the ages is Anthony Joshua – Defeats Vladimir Klitschko by 11th round TKO to retain the IBF heavyweight title and capture the IBO and the WBA heavyweight championship. But the world is what the cool kids like to say, I guess. He is now a unified champion. So what a fight. What a scene. What do you think? Michael Buffer said it best that this was one of the better all-time heavyweight title bouts in history. This was... And the, and I had some worry right before the fight that one, Klitschko at 41 years old, 17 months removed from the sport, that he was going to be very slow, and Joshua was probably going to get cold feet in front of 90,000 people. I had that worry. But once the fourth round, fourth, fifth round came about, oh my God, those stats were completely erased. It was pure a pure spectacle it was a story of three different fights joshua in the first five five uh five rounds um klitschko from round six through eight and then klitschko and then joshua from nine to eleven it was three different fights three different stories told and honestly everything about this fight everything about this broadcast the promotion the event is about as good as you can ask for in the sport you know you hit it Right on the head. You hit it on the head. And I, if you, I'll start with this. Have you watched a lot of, a lot of fights in the UK? Have you watched, you know, just, a, not even just recently, just kind of stuff. And even like five, 10 years ago, did you watch a lot of stuff even back then? Um, what, well, I believe uh, a year, a year before, up until a year before I joined Fightful, uh, the mm-hmm. only really head, uh, European fights I saw were the Klitschko fights on HBO. But since joining Fightful, like I've seen um, several several European uh, bouts and European cards, especially in the in Britain and even in Germany, they know how to they know how to make the cards special. Like I just wish the United States actually did more of this where they have like a WrestleMania type of feel. You really don't get that in the u.s but you get that almost every time there's a major fight in uh in the U- in europe you hit it right on, and, and you know and you you just said it is one of the things i you know it, there's a reason i answered it just because the like you said the pomp and circumstance you want you see the pomp and circumstance and you're like 
that was my immediate thought. I put it on Twitter. I'm like, why don't we get this in the United States? And it's always been like this every time I watch a European event, especially a Klitschko event. You know, when you watch a Klitschko show, this is how it is. And if, and you added a magnitude that he was facing a legit fighter, the way Eddie Herm and the Klitschko team promoted this fight. And then you add the big caveat of it of for here, for the folks in the United States, have it on Showtime the live broadcast then you're gonna in about four and a half hours you're gonna see you're gonna see the immediate replay live and only on not live but you can see it on hbo so they gave it not just the european value but the american value and if you're watching this if i'm a fight fan in the united states if you're a boxing fan you should be stomping right now because why don't we get fights like this here in the united states the circumstance and then, like you said, the fight delivered. You can have all the pomp and circumstance, and you can just have the show. And then the fight happens, and the fight sucks. This didn't suck here. This was the best heavyweight title fight I have seen. Oh, man. That I've ever seen. If you really, And I've seen a lot of great heavyweights. I've seen Foreman. I've seen Tyson. I've seen Holyfield. I've seen Lennox Lewis. I think Riddick Bowes is a very underrated heavyweight as well. You know, we've been through this era of Vladimir Klitschko. I can, you can legitimately make a case that this was the second greatest heavyweight title fight of all time behind Ali Frazier won the fight of the century. I think it and you can even say the thr- it was better than Foreman and Ali to Thurlow and Manila. I think this fight was that good. You had the aging champion who many people didn't give a shot to. Thought that the young line was going to roar right through him. That didn't happen, and it was a better fight than a lot of people expected, and I, the fight was amazing. It delivered on every level humanly possible. So let's go, well, not round by round, but I guess section by section. The first four rounds, Joshua was, was actually fighting a very smart fight. He, he was the more active fighter. But he didn't. But he wasn't overly aggressive. Like he knew he was going to have a late fight. In probably in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. He didn't throw as many punches as you normally see from Anthony Joshua in these fights. And then you got the knockdown in the fifth round, in which Joshua started off just aggressively. But then after that, and this is where a lot of people, a lot of criticism of, of Anthony Joshua uh, were thinking, he's never been in this atmosphere. He's never fought a, a boxer of that kind of caliber. And then Klitschko showed that veteran experience, and he dominated uh, after, the, after Klitschko got knocked down the first time. Now, what, how did you have, when you're looking at, you said you're looking at the four, first four rounds of the fight, what are you thinking at that point? Because you're, you're we'll talk about these specific four rounds. What were you thinking at that point? How did you have the fight scored? Uh, at what round again? Rounds one through four, because that you were talking about okay. that in particular. How did you have that score the first four rounds? Because I seen scores like all over the place. I really? Seen three, I seen three one Joshua. I seen four zero Joshua. I seen two two Klitsch, two two. How did you have it scored after the first four rounds? Um, I'm gonna go check it right back, but I believe I had it four nothing Klitsch, um Joshua. Wow. I hit it. I, I hit it even. 
going well the first four well the fourth round was extremely close it was a toss-up i had it i got here i hit it even i hit it i thought joshua easily won the first round i thought he like you said he i thought he was even though i thought klitschko klitschko came right out i you know i thought joshua had done enough i i joshua winning round one klitschko winning two and four out of the to me in my mind the decisive rounds i thought the most decisive decisive round was rounds one and three for joshua but round two you could have you could have gave to joshua easily i just thought klitschko did a little more with the jab he came out when he especially when he came out with a straight right hand to make a point to joshua i thought joshua didn't do too much i thought he was a lot of pushing in the jab he wasn't throwing as much and then the third round joshua i thought won pretty easy and then that fourth round you could that fourth round you could have went either way so i thought i thought klitschko was more consistent in being the aggressor and then joshua came back in that later half of the round but i thought klitschko did more in that first half of the round than joshua did but you can, it just all depends on how you score the fight and now after the the fourth round. You said you had it 4-0 Joshua. Are you thinking at this point, this is going to be a rout? This seemed, just the way you felt at the time the fight was going. Initially, I did. And right before the fifth round, I was thinking, and I remember perfectly, Klitschko is, is almost is very gun-shy, but not because he, he can't land a punch, but he wasn't throwing much. I feel like he was just saving himself for that middle round for like in case he Joshua did get winded and he did in the fifth round after he scored the knockdown in the fifth round. I think Klitschko was just saving his energy like he should have because we don't know how long we don't know Joshua's stamina in the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh round. So I think Klitschko was just saving his energy up until that point. I thought it was going to be a much closer fight, but I still thought Joshua was going to run away with the fight. You know, and you're thinking, I thought it was actually, I'm looking at the first four rounds and I'm like, okay, I think we're going to be in for something here. Joshua was landing. There were instances where Joshua was landing the harder shots when I thought, okay, Klitschko's still in the fight. He's not throwing as much. But I saw what he was doing and why he was doing it. And he had done enough, I thought, to win a couple rounds and then get into the second story. Then you get the knockdown in the fifth. Now, you're watching that knockdown. I had, I had a couple buddies here. We were watching the fight. And they looked at me and they're like, the fight's over. They're, they looked. Joshua's ready, Joshua's ready to jump through the ring and start raising his hands like he won the fight. And then... Out of the ashes, Vladimir Klitschko showed the heart of a champion, and he came back and came back firing. And when that knockdown happens, what are you thinking? Are you thinking what Joshua's thinking? And is like, this fight's done. Either he's going to get – he's either he's staying on his back and not going to get up, or he's going to get up and I'm going to pummel him, and this fight's going to end pretty quick. I was thinking – Klitschko is an extremely intelligent fighter. I knew that Klitschko was not going to lose after um, in that round after he got knocked down. I didn't think that that, that fight was going to end immediately. And I definitely thought Joshua was going to be more aggressive after the knockdown. But then all of a sudden, he lost all – he lost his breath. He lost his stamina all of a sudden. And Klitschko saw that immediately, and he went to work. 
the left, I mean, the sixth round, he was all, he was hella dominant. And even after the knockdown in the fifth round, I was about to get make it a 10-8. I was about to make it a 10-8 round for Joshua. And then the last two minutes, it was all Klitschko. I have to make it a 10-9 round for, for Klitschko. Because, you know, you're looking at that. And I agree with you. A hundred percent, because I see the knockdown, and I'm like, I actually thought he was done. I'm not gonna sit here, and I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to the, everyone watching and everyone that's going to listen. I thought he was done, just because, you know, when the guys brought it, you know, in the Showtime crew, who I thought, by the way, for the most part, I thought did a really good job throughout the fight. And they brought him on, you know, he's 41, you know, in, in his age, and I'm like, ah, he's done. I just, I just didn't. I mean, the way, the way he got hit, first, uppercut, and then the hooks, and then he got dropped, and I'm like, he's done. There's no way he's getting up. And then he got up. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, he's going. Then he's, I'm like, okay, he's going to get pummeled. He didn't get pummeled. He came right back. Like he said, two minutes left in the round and went to work. And you can, and that's why, you know, I hated a 10-9. I know Steve Farhood from Showtime hated a 10-9. The... The idiotic judging out in England. Two of those judges actually were from the one was from Puerto Rico and the other one was from the United States. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what they were thinking. How you score that a ten eight? That boggled my mind. When we'll get to the final scorecards in a little while, but they scored that. Only one judge scored it a ten nine, and that was the guy that had Vladimir Klitschko winning the fight. Steve Farhood had it a ten nine. I saw some ten eights on Twitter and Facebook. I didn't. I hit it a ten nine zero. I agree with you on that. At first, I'm like ah. At first, I'm thinking this is going to be a ten eight. And it's going to be an easy ten eight. But let's go short the heart of a champion. That really surprised me, because you look at past fights when he got knocked down, he wilted, and he wilted quick. But he showed a lot of heart here, and I think he had a point to prove. I think. I think not just, not even just to the fans, but I think he had a point to prove to himself. Because you know these guys, you know, in athletes, they hear the noise around them. And there was a lot of doubt on him coming into this fight. And he got up. I give him a lot of credit. He came back firing. And he had, he had, if those ropes, if Anthony Josh, and I thought this was great ring positioning by Joshua. He knew enough when Klitschko rocked him with the first left hook. He knew enough to stay against the ropes. Because if that's in the center of the ring, or even near in one, you're maybe a little bit off center. I think Klitschko knocks down Joshua, and we maybe have a nine-nine round and or a nine-eight round Klitschko in the fifth round. So I thought just the ring, the ring generalship there by Joshua. I thought that was very savvy fight IQ there. I really did because Klitschko had him in some trouble, and and obviously they carried the momentum into the sixth round. And you mentioned the ring for uh, the ring generalship, the the mental fortitude. For and we'll get to the later ones in a second, but I just wanted to briefly comment. Joshua showed a tremendous amount of heart and mental fortitude in, in this fight because by the time the eighth round was done, I was thinking Klitschko is going to knock down Joshua again, and we and Klitschko is going to win the fight because in the middle portion of the of the fight, who had all the momentum in the world. And if he could and tried, he could have even knocked down again and knocked out 
Joshua, and we'd be having a completely different podcast. No, we would be having a completely different podcast, and we'll get into that in a minute. But you, you sit and, like you said, you sit and look at that. And you look in the early part, you give Klitschko all the credit, and we'll get into Joshua, and we'll give him all the credit in the world in a few minutes. But you're in the now, you're going into the sixth round. What are you thinking at this point? Because you're thinking, Joshua looked devastated. He was tired, and he was devastated. You look at those eyes, and you can just tell the panic in his team of, like, he was expecting to knock down Klitschko and that fight to be over. He made 18 people before him crumble and wilt. Vladimir Klitschko didn't crumble here. And at this point in the fight, Anthony Joshua is in a lot of trouble going into the sixth round. Did you get that same feeling, Carlos? Because I'm looking at him and I'm like, even though Klitschko knocked down, it felt like Klitschko won the round, if that makes sense. Yeah, I thought so too. And I thought certainly one thing that really wasn't talked about, at least from my point of view, it's possible that they that people have been talking a lot about this and I just wasn't uh, listening in the right direction, is the fact that in the weigh-ins, Joshua was 10 pounds heavier. He was 250 pounds. That's the heaviest he's ever weighed in, I believe, in his career heading into weigh-in. And I thought, could it be that he maybe had just been focusing on, on getting too much muscle mass for this fight, that he didn't work on his cardio well enough? Because, again, the cardio was probably the biggest concern because he's, we've never seen Joshua in a super late fight. You know what? You know, that's a fairly valid point. I brought that up. I reached out to some people there yesterday when I, I saw the win, and I'm like, man, he doesn't look like he looked, he really hulked up. And I'm like, I reached out to some members of his team, and I'm like, did he really, how hard was he working on cardio? And they're like, better than what people will anticipate. He's going to surprise some people. I see that, and then you see him huffing and puffing because he he went for it all in that fourth round. It was either in that fifth round. Either he was going to win it. And she started seeing it. I'll take that back. You even started seeing it in the fourth round. He started looking a little tired. And then it carried on, and then I'm thinking that he knocked it down in the fifth. And I'm like, okay, he's fine. And then he just kept going for it. And But he looked tired. He looked dejected. And I'm like, that's what I felt, even with the knockdown. And this was me, even though he won the round. Klitschko gained momentum, if that makes sense. It seemed like the tide had turned at that point in the fight. And then we saw what happened in the sixth. Yeah, the sixth round was a completely different animal. So, again, and just to sort of recap for anybody that wasn't able to catch the fight, and you can catch that uh, on HBO later tonight. Um, for the North American fans. So Klitschko won the, won the fifth round despite being knocked down. Then he continued to attack Klitschko from the very beginning, and Klitschko scored a, an early knockdown on, of his own. And it seemed like he was going to get a second knockdown late in the round. His, his jab was, about, was as on point as we've seen from Klitschko in a long time, like pre-Tyson Fury fight. And then I'm just thinking... Like, it Klitschko could knock down uh, Joshua again, but I don't think he won't because I think he's a smart enough person to not make this 
a slugfest because in case Joshua gets that second wind, he'll at the very least be fighting a technical enough of a fight where he'll still be winning on points but won't be giving Joshua the close and aggressive fight that Joshua wants where he can take advantage of the uppercut. And he definitely took advantage of that late in the fight. And we'll, get, and we'll still get into that in a sec. But I thought that Klitschko was doing was fighting a very smart fight. He was being aggressive, but not giving Joshua time to, or at least an opportunity to get back in the fight, at least in the fifth to the eighth, ninth round. You know, and I agree, and you brought up a very valid point. And when he knocked him down, I knew he'd get up. And it was Pat Klitschko, and we said this on Thursday night. And by the way, if you want to see that podcast, go to Fightful.com or go to our go to the Fightful YouTube channel and see that. It was the jab followed by the right, that straight patented right hand. As soon as that happened, I'm like, I don't know if he's going to – I'm like, the way he hit him flush with that right hand. And then that short little left hook to, to signal the deal. And I'm like, okay, maybe – and then my one buddy's like, he's going to get up. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm like I went along with him because he's a pretty big boxing fan. And he knows enough. And then he, I think he could have finished the deal in the sixth. But I agree with what you were saying. He took his time and he's because he's so calculated. He's so smart like his brother. He's like, okay, I don't want to get too reckless. Because what if Joshua comes in, hits me with the left hook, and I'm going to get or, or short right uppercut, and I'm going to get dropped again. So I thought that was very tactical. And then if you look at – and if you guys are watching the fight, you're watching the eighth, the seventh round, another domination, the eighth round. I thought Joshua came back then, and the ninth round was close. But I did give it to Joshua. But if you look at round six, seven, and eight, actually the last half of the fifth and the sixth, seventh, and eighth rounds, Klitschko went to work. And, you know, it was all, it all started with the jab. And the one thing I noticed, and we're in the first nine rounds here, both fighters, more often than not, it was Klitschko, who came out swinging. You don't see that in boxing in general, especially with the heavyweights. Now, before we get further, I wanted to give guys, both guys a lot of credit just for that. They came to fight, and they came to fight for every single second of the fight. Not just for fighting. You see a lot of these guys, like Mayweather, they'll fight for about, a, about 75 to 90 seconds. And the same thing with Pacquiao. These guys came in there and they fought. I think the fight lasted, let's see, 30, about 32 minutes. These guys fought their hearts out for 32 minutes. Yeah, and you mentioned that uh, that pivotal ninth round. I also gave it to Joshua. And I think that's when that's when we started to see kind of that second win from Joshua. Because Joshua still was – he was – I, we both gave Joshua the ninth round, but it still didn't quite seem like he was in control yet. And it was the tenth round. I think that's when Joshua finally got back into the fight. Because the tenth round, we no. started – I think that's when we definitely got the uh, the Joshua from the first few rounds. And that eleventh round, it was – I think that was Joshua emptying the gas tank, putting it all on the line. Because he knew if he could score a knockdown – or even two, I think no matter what happens in the 12, barring a a knockout from Klitschko, he might have won the fight. Now, 
you know, and you bring up a good point, and it was something I wanted to bring up is that you're looking at, like you said, the ninth round. It did. It was. It was the best round Joshua that I thought had. You know, since the fifth round, I thought that was the best that he looked. But, like you said, it didn't seem like he had that much moment. He kind of, kind of eked out the round, and then, you know, I thought Joshua did a great. I thought the tenth round was a great round by Joshua. Because he started going more to the body. He, he did it in the ninth, but I thought he started doing it more in the tenth, and I think he then figured something out. And then, but then you get right at the end of the round, Klitschko lands a great right, a flush right hand, a straight right hand, and you're like, maybe that momentum was going to carry into the alignment. And I think, like you said, I think Joshua knew that he had to pour it on here. If he was going to do it, he went. He was going to empty the gas tank in these final six minutes of the fight. He had. There was only one way he was going to win, and it was going to win by knockout. And look at what. And look at what happened. So who did you have? So basically, who did you have in your final scorecards after? I had it ninety five ninety four Klitschko going into the eleventh. See, I had it ninety five. I believe ninety five ninety four Joshua. Okay. Because of those first two rounds, I think. I think. However, the and I, I don't. I don't have the the official judges scorecards like round by round. But I think how how they scored the first four rounds kind of determined the fight. If you really think about it, I got the scorecards right here. Judges Don Trella and Nelson. Uh, Don Trella had it ninety six ninety three for Joshua. And Nelson Vasquez had it ninety five ninety three for Joshua. And Steve Weisfield had it. 95-93 for Vladimir Klitschko. And then the unofficial scoring from Steve Farhood from Showtime, he hit it the same way I did. He hit it 95-94 to for Klitschko. I've seen a lot of scores, people having it 96-93. It was either, I've seen a lot of 96-93s for Joshua or 95-93 for, 95-94 for Klitschko. I don't know where a lot of people are getting 96-93. I didn't see a lot of room where, Especially the first four rounds, a lot of people gave Joshua the first four rounds, and I mean, each his own. I'm not gonna sit here and criticize media judging, and you know, but I'm gonna criticize the judging that we, you know, the three scorecards that matter the most, and and then the judges they gave a ten eight. Yeah, I don't see where a ten eight. I don't see what a ten eight where a ten, where you get a ten eight at. I I just I'm trying to figure out where I see a ten eight round here. I yes. really, really don't. And I'm looking. Yeah, a lot of people in some I'm seeing 10-9, some 10-9 Joshua's. I'm I've seen some 10-8s just kind of looking here on Twitter a little bit, but this now let's get to the 11th. And and this is where, and like you said, you were talking about this is where Joshua sealed the deal. And he really poured it on. He really, really, and I give Joshua a lot of credit because he did, he did pour it on, and he but that uppercut. You're seeing this uppercut. And it was beautiful. And it, and it was right on the inside. I didn't think Joshua would have enough room, even though because he had the reach advantage. I didn't think he'd be able to kind of turn his body enough and get and get there. And I give Joshua a lot of credit, and you give Klitschko a lot of credit. Any normal heavyweight would have crumbled to that uppercut. But 
Vladimir Klitschko kept going. And then he's seen and then he's seen the left and right hands to the body. And then the left hook, then the knockdown with the left hook followed by the right hand and another left hook. Sent him hacking. But at that point, what are you thinking? When he's pouring it on here and gets the first knockdown in the eleventh, are you thinking, okay, this is done? Or is Klitsch, or is Klitschko getting up or or is the referee just gonna call it off? What's going on in your mind at this point of the fight? See, I didn't think after the first knockdown that the referee was going to stop the fight. Because, okay, even though Joshua had a great 10th round, I didn't think he did that much damage that would warrant the referee to stop the fight after one knockdown. I really didn't think. But you mentioned the uppercut, a great point. The uppercut wasn't really landing as well as we were accustomed to seeing from Joshua throughout his career. But I think that 10th and 11th round, that's when we kind of saw the uppercut connect. And and I'm thinking after that first knockdown and saying, okay, uh, I, I'm pretty sure Joshua is going to be much more aggressive and not give Klitschko an opportunity to bounce back like what happened in the fifth round. And I thought, okay, this is, you know, Klitschko's left eye was swollen. There was a cut there. I'm going to go ahead hunting and make the fight and potentially knock him out again. And if I do... And even if I gas myself out in the 12th round, scoring two knockdowns kind of essentially sealed the deal. Because even though one of the judges had it for Klitschko, that was going to be a 10-7 round for Joshua. More than likely. It would have been a 10-7 round. And maybe, unless Klitschko came back near the end, maybe you can make it a 10-8. But it looked like it was going on its way to a 10-7. And even on the one card, it would have been even. And it would Klitschko would have needed a knockout to win. And I thought the first one, he wasn't done. And then you look at the second one, and I thought this, and this was smart by Joshua. But then you have to get Klitschko card. Klitschko came back with a left, a left hook that seemed to kind of wobble Joshua for a moment. That hey, Joshua stunned for a moment. And I'm like, no. But then Joshua was smart enough. Instead of letting Klitschko get the momentum, Joshua showed the heart of a lion, the heart of a champion. And then just and then just started ripping the body, went back to combinations, and then dropped him again. Then that a beautiful uppercut and then dropped him again. I'm thinking at this point, the fight's done. Call the fight. This is gonna be a this is a mercy, this is gonna be a massacre. But then Klitschko got up and I'm like, and then for a split second, I thought Klitschko was gonna come back and knock him down. I'm thinking, okay, Klitschko's gonna come back here. Klitschko hit, I think it was like a very weak right hand. And then Joshua said, "This, I'm done. This is over. This is over, buddy. I'm sending you home. And then he just went back to work and poured it on with a couple of lefts and rights, and the fight was over. But, and then the fight ended, and what happened happened. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you, you, at the end of the day, and, and then you see the roaring crowd of 90,000 screaming people in London. Anthony Joshua did it. He wins by 11th round TKO and becomes a unified champion. WBA, IBF, IBO, heavyweight champion of the world. And your what are your thoughts at that point? The fight's over. What are you thinking at that point? I immediately thought that this was one of the best heavyweight fights I've ever seen and probably the best, arguably the best heavyweight fight of the century. First of all, I, w- I was still beyond hyped when the fight ended. And the fact that we have the new face of the heavyweight division. Because let's face it, even though Tyson Fury won, 
I didn't really think he was, he, you know, he was going to be the face of the division. But then you have someone like Joshua, young, 27 years old, Olympic gold medalist, British home, uh, British homegrown, and I know Tyson Fury is also. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, from Europe, and he'd be a great, uh, be a big face for European boxing. But then you have someone like Joshua, who, and I want, and I want to give him a lot of credit. He showed the utmost respect, and showed unbelievable levels of class. Uh, with for Klitschko after the fight, I mean, okay, I am maybe I'm not the biggest Vladimir Klitschko fan in the world, but I do appreciate the dominance that he's had on this sport and Klitschko um, say, you know, giving kudos to Klitschko for the career and pointing to guys like Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield for, for being his inspirations growing up. This was, this felt like a coronation. This felt like as if a guy like Daniel Bryan winning uh, the WWE world heavyweight title at WrestleMania 30 or, uh, or John Cena beating JBL at WrestleMania, I think 23, to win his first WWE title. This felt like a coronation of like the new face of the sport. You know, so basing it off of what you're talking about there, you look at it and you're looking at it here and you see the fight ending and you see these screaming Brits. And I'm, and I'm, you're amazed because it shows how many people cared about, care about boxing and, and it's rabid in the UK. But then you go to this, and this is something I'm going to be writing later. And it's something I'm going to, I didn't want to write it earlier in the week because a lot of people have been writing this. And I know you've seen a lot of stuff too that the court, you know, a Joshua win and he's the king of boxing. You make that case now. Anthony Joshua is the best heavyweight in the world. No disrespect to Deontay Wilder. No disrespect to Joseph Parker, Andy Ruiz, Tyson Fury, Huey Fury, anyone else, Vladimir Klitschko, anyone else you want to say, this guy's the man. Plain and simple. He is the king of boxing. That, you look at this this evening. They were making a minimum $13 million. With, and he's 
and you look at his sponsor with the pay-per-view with through sky box, box office, they were projecting for what people were telling me about right around one, one and a half million buys on the English pay-per-view. And so you're looking at, they're projected to make North of, I've been, been told about 24, $25 million. And then you have Joshua sponsors. He's got so many sponsors. It is amazing. He's a sponsor king. I think like Nike, Under Armour, a bunch of bunch of apparel, tech companies, and this guy's a star. You look at him, he's a star. He's 19 and 0, 19 wins by way of knockout. He just beat the best heavyweight in the last 15 years. Far down. He beat him. He he stopped him. He did something Tyson Fury couldn't do. He stopped him. It became the man. This is the face of boxing. And he was gracious. Where a lot of guys would have pummeled Klitschko and said, oh, you're old, you didn't belong in the ring with me, blah, blah, blah. But he was gracious. And that's a breath of fresh air in my mind. Because if you look at this era of Mayweather and flashing his bling and beating women and thinking he's the coolest thing since sliced bread and I'm the A-side, blah, blah, blah. This kid's the king. Move over, Floyd. Move over, Manny. This guy's the king. He will be the king as, as long as he wants to be. No offense, but he is the king of boxing. And what we're seeing right now is the, a guy who has the potential to reach a level of global stardom because he's a heavyweight and people are going to gravitate more towards heavyweight boxers than any other division, I could see Joshua, if they market him well enough, and I think Eddie Kearns is a smart enough promoter to do this, I can see a guy like Joshua getting, not at the same level, but close, about the highest level of stardom in terms of being a boxing megastar since Mike Tyson. Why is that? Is it just through, like, what, in your mind, what is the reasoning? What do you think, why do you, is it just because of his hard-hitting nature style, or is it in your mind the whole package? In a way, it is kind of the whole package, because you look at, okay, 19 wins, 19 knockouts, that's Tyson-esque, first of all. And to get that 19th knockout uh, to Vladimir Klitschko, a guy who has not been, knocked down since, and I forgot the year, I think it was 2003 against Lamont Brewster, a guy like him is the complete package. First of all, he's unbelievably gracious, and I think British fans are going to love him even more. I think the smart marketing done in New York is going to liken him to be a box office draw if he were to go to an MSG or a Barclays Center. I can see him going to the Barclays Center because he's with Showtime. and. As I mentioned, I think it's a complete package. I think he has the right kind of promoter in Eddie Hearn, who always has a plan A, B, or and C when it comes to marketing his fighters and promoting fights. And so overall, I think Joshua is also young enough to be able to keep growing as a boxer. He's only 27. If you think about it, 27, he's just entering his physical prime as an athlete. So you still, you still got several years of Anthony Joshua 
being the top, being at the top of the heavyweight division. And you got a ton of interesting fights to do so. Like, tell me you won a, a fight between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua wouldn't sell in the United States. It would. Or a guy like Joseph Parker, or a guy like Tyson Fury, if that fight should ever happen, or a rematch against Klitschko. There were so many different opportunities to make humongous cards based around Joshua that you can that you can give yourself an opportunity to make him a megastar in boxing. I think he, right behind Canelo and right behind Golovkin, he's up there. He's number three in terms of star, star power in boxing today. And that's amazing because it's a guy who's never fought here. And that's like the that's what's the aura about him. He's never he's in nineteen fights. Has never even fought outside of England, and he's already a superstar. He like he said, I think he's even ahead of Golovkin. It's still Canelo, but if you're looking in terms of star power, but if you're if you look if you want to look at it just based off today. It's Anthony Joshua. We'll see what Canelo does next week, and we'll get into that next week. But if Canelo gets by Chavez, and I think that's a big test. That's going to be a huge test for Canelo Alvarez. If he gets by Chavez, I think – I know you look at it in terms – and I know people don't like hearing this stuff, but I know like in terms of like just metrics. And I don't know the metrics yet for this fight. It's way too early to tell. Let me get a better indication of that. You can say starting tomorrow or even begin or Monday. Canelo's still the bigger star. I'm the time intrigued by what the rating is on Showtime, what the rating is on HBO, what the pay-per-view buys are out in England. I know just in terms of interest right now, talking to people, my phone's been blowing up. I've looked at my phone a couple times and I greatly apologize, you guys. I'm getting texts from everybody, non-fight fans. I'm getting text messages and Twitter DMs and emails from people in boxing saying how amazing this fight was. You don't get that unless it really was. And this is, like you said, I think this is the greatest fight. In, I think the greatest heavyweight fight that I've seen since Holyfield Tyson in 96, when Holyfield upset Tyson. And then in terms of what I've seen, you know, this is probably the greatest heavyweight fight. I think it eclipsed Holyfield Tyson. This was the greatest heavyweight fight I've ever seen. This fight was amazing. And everything you were looking for, Carlos, you had, like you said, it had a couple different layers going into the fight, and then some storylines that played in the fight. And this fight was amazing. And you're talking in terms of star power, in terms of next fights. Where do you go at this point? You you brought up a couple guys. You brought up Wilder. You brought up Parker. You brought up Tyson Fury. You brought up Vladimir Klitschko. What do you do now with Anthony Joshua? He basically can call his ticket here. And something before we uh, you answer, something people don't remember, and I don't think a lot of people know about him. Klitschko brought it up during his interview. This was a two-fight deal. A lot of people thought if Klitschko got blown out, which a lot of people were thinking, that second fight doesn't happen. There is a second fight in this contract. So let's keep that in mind as well as what happened. Next. Klitschko really didn't say what he was going to do. At the beginning, he hinted like, ah, maybe I will. But then maybe towards the end, he was like, ah, you know, this was good for boxing. Maybe this is going to be time for me to go. What do you think happens next? Do we get a rematch or do you think something else happens here? Joshua fights maybe an interim and then somebody else? Or 
what happens in your mind in this scenario? So I think this is quite intriguing, and we're going to now get into this. I think this is going to be a big issue for, like, I think the next little bit here. Now, Sean and I were discussing this at the start of the podcast when before you came up. And, and one thing that is someone – was sexing me, uh, t- uh, Tony Ballou and David Hay, I think it was no Wilder and Tony Ballou. They were they were challenging each other on the Skype sport, uh, sports and post fight uh, fight. So that could be another big fight on the heavyweight division. For for Joshua, I'd say I think they might have they might want to do the Klitschko fight while the iron is hot and maybe save that for an October date. Because if you think about it, Klitschko is forty one. He turns forty two later in the year. He's not a spring chicken. And the longer you wait this out, the less likely we're going to have a fight like this again if a rematch, if and when it'll happen. It's still too soon for Tyson Fury to just immediately come out and say, all right, I'm going to fight Anthony Joshua. There's no, some people. absolutely. And even Anthony Joshua was, say, was calling out Tyson Fury after the fight. We don't know when he's going to come back. And it's, not, and it's no longer a question of when he's coming back. It's a question of if he's coming back, if he'll be in shape, if he'll keep his head on straight, if he'll fix all his personal demons and, you know, still prove he's still the type of fighter that beat Vladimir Klitschko, even though it was a bit of a watered-down Vladimir Klitschko, I can see, uh, as I was telling Sean, I can see the in October fight for Joshua and Klitschko and then maybe have a Tyson Fury fight if everything works out with him somewhere in early 2018. I can see that happening. There's a lot. You look at it, there's so many intriguing scenarios here. A, Tyson Fury's not getting that fight next. I don't – I think and it was like Anthony Joshua just trying to get the crowd a little excited. I'm, I'm not going to go out on that far of a limb in terms of that fight. I just don't think that's realistic yet. But I do think we see a rematch next. This, there's too much money to be made here, and this comes in terms of also dollars and cents. These guys are going to make a lot of money here. Hands down, they're going to make a lot of money. Klitschko didn't look horrible. A lot of people were expecting him to look 41. He didn't look 41. He came in shape. He came to win. And he kept saying throughout the week, he was obsessed, obsessed of getting his belts back. And it showed in this fight. Like you said, there's Deontay Wilder, there's Joseph Parker, you got Andy Ruiz, who I'm very intrigued by. You got King Kong Ortiz. I don't want to forget about him. He's a, he's a wild card in all this, I think. Well, what I think we get next, I know this is going to piss off the Deontay Wilder fans, but I don't really care. I think Wilder faces Parker. I think that happens probably, I would say, probably July or August. See Klitschko and – I do think we see Klitschko and Joshua go at it again. October, November, but it takes place in the United States, and this is why. I'm going to make a case. Look at the pomp, and we go back to what we said at the beginning. Look at the pomp and circumstance of what you've seen at the beginning. You could put that at MetLife Stadium in New York, and I think it would sell out. Hit the garden. No, I love Madison Square Garden. Center. But if you're going to do this big, 
And you see what they did there. You do it at MetLife Stadium in New York. But the thing is, too, the weather. But if you can't do November, you get October is even hit or miss. But it was only like 50 degrees in England. It was 51 degrees at bell time. If you can get about that in October, I think you can do it. Not going to be MetLife Stadium. You do it. Obviously, you do it at the Garden. Heavyweight title fight. Matt, Barclays Center isn't a bad idea. I can see that being around just due to the Showtime affiliation. But HBO holds the cards in the rematch. And this is what a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people aren't bringing up either. If a second fight happens, HBO has the rights here. So then it goes, I think, I think either way you put it in the garden, regardless of it's HBO, Showtime, whatever, and that's for another talk. But I think you go Wilder Parker. I think you go Klitschko. Uh, what, Klitschko and Joshua too. And then maybe Tyson Fury and Tony Ballou. You know, or even you put maybe, I don't know, maybe then you maybe do Ortiz and Andy Ruiz. You do that fight. You have a nice, you have a nice little scenario here with eight guys. And this is all if Klitschko comes back. If Klitschko doesn't come back, then I think you go Joshua. I wouldn't even mind Joshua and Ortiz. I don't think they go that route, but I think maybe then you I don't want to jump the gun on Joshua Wilder. I want that to simmer. I want that to bubble. I want that to boil a little bit. If them win, even if Joshua took an interim, I'm fine with that too. If Klitschko decides to retire. Either way, I think 2018, we see Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. I think it's going to happen. Because I think Wilder gets by Parker, even though Parker is no joke. But I think we get there. I think that, that's the scenario I have. We could be, I can be wrong. We, you could be wrong. But I think that's really where I think this all boils down to. It all boils down to Vladimir Klitschko and what he decides to do. What do you mean? He exercises his rematch. I can't blame him. What do you mean if I'm wrong? Say that again? What do you mean if I'm wrong? I'm always right. Hey, easy, champ. Easy, easy, easy there. You sound like a woman. Women, women are always saying they're right. You're not a woman, man. Come on. No offense to women. I know. And I want to thank our fans, by the way. We got some comments on Twitter that I really appreciate, and that meant a lot to me. And say, We had a couple casuals, and I've gotten a lot of feedback as well from people that aren't normal boxing fans, and they enjoy our, our – for some reason, they enjoy us. I don't know why. They enjoy our banter, apparently nature but but no you're not a woman don't you're not always right i'm not always right now if there's anyone that's always right out of the both of us here we know who it is of course me ah easy you've only gotten okay you've only gotten one thing right was lomachenko stopping (laughs) jason zosa in the correct round that's the only thing i will give you wait okay who did you pick to win we both picked joshua to win well, we we went that far, but what what round did you pick? I had him in the tenth. This time, hey, there you go, champ. There you and go. I think I, and I think I was one round off in predicting yeah. Berto Porter. I think it was one round off. I don't remember if I was one round over or one round uh, under. I picked. I either picked the sixth or seventh. I think you had like the eighth. You're the eighth or the tenth in that fight. I don't remember. I forget. Okay, you got you got me by one. Okay, 
I'll, I'll get you for I'll get you next week for Canelo Chavez. I'll come. I I will bounce back, damn it. I will bounce back and I will kick your ass, brother. We will see. We will see. <laughs> but now you look at this. What do you think happens at the end of the day? What, what do you think? You think Klitschko? We'll get into Klitschko. If you're Vladimir Klitschko right now, and you're sitting, you're either in the lot getting, you know, taking a shower, you're getting, getting ready to leave, or you've already left and you're at the hotel. What do you do at this point? You made you were you're 25 and four in, t- in title fights. You made 18 consecutive title defenses. You're the former unified champion of the world. You're regarded. You were regarded as the best heavyweight of this of the last about ten plus years. You were very, very competitive. You knocked down the heavyweight champion of the world. Even though you still lost, you still got stopped. I mean, if you're going to get stopped, this is the way to go because it, it was an amazing fight. What do you do at this point? I say continue on. I say you continue to fight. You're still good. If you say you lose to Joshua again, okay, then then you're nowhere near the title. Then you're done. Time to retire, champ. But I think at this point, if I'm Vladimir Klitschko, I continue. I really do. So I, there's too much money to be made in a rematch. Then if you do it here in the states, there's a lot more money to be made if you're in the United States. So I'm I'm a proponent of Klitschko coming back for one more, at least one more. Yeah, same. I mean, let's face it. Okay, and, and this is sort of the case I had with um, Bernard Hopkins is that, yeah, he's really old, and he should probably start thinking about retirement. And if you really think about it, he's still one of the top fighters of his division, despite how old he is. But and one thing that I that I noticed that I thought was interesting when he was making his post fight speech was that he was talking more about the event and the spectacle and how it special it was. I think you're right. I think Klitschko is smart enough to realize you can replicate that kind of atmosphere no matter where you go, if it's MetLife, if it's Wembley again. I think he's smart enough to know we can do this again. And who knows? I could come out as the champ again and will continue fighting if I win the rematch until some other up-and-comer beats me or Joshua beats me in a a rubber fight. And then when that happens, that's when I retire. Very valid points. That's exactly the scenario I'm, you know, that I'm thinking is because this wasn't an event. You look at just, it got to the point where they did the pan out of the entire crowd before they even walked to the ring. And you're looking and you're like, that's blown away. And I had, like I said, I had a couple buddies over and they were just like in awe. They had never seen a card from uh, from across the pond. And they're like, this is great. This is like what WWE should be doing in, you know, UFC and, you know, what they should be doing for boxing here in the United States. And and then you have, you're seeing Sweet Caroline. 90,000 people, Carlos, in unison. I love Sweet Caroline. Who the hell sings Neil Diamond in a fight card? That is amazing. I was Bridge blown away at that point. If I wasn't covering this, I would have just thrown it. I would have called it a day. I would have started slamming beers. I, if I wasn't covering this, I would have went and started slamming beers. 
that's how just amazed I was and the, the peg, pegnantry of that. I cut you off. I'm so sorry. I'm just really amped up by the fact that Neil Diamond was a freaking hit. It was a hit throughout this. I think that's just amazing. Yeah, and I mean, let's face it. In my opinion, I think British, I think British sports fans are the best uh, fans in terms of a country in the world. Listen, I love Puerto Rico. I'm a Puerto Rican, you know, through and through, spent 18 years in there. But not Puerto Rico, not the United States. I think England have the most passionate fans in the world in terms of sports. You look at any Barclays Premier League game. You look at um, whenever NXT or or WWE Ron SmackDown go to England or any major boxing fight. It's always unbelievable. The fans make elevate any card in Britain into a whole different level that I honestly wish the United States would try to replicate more of. Why do you think we don't get that here in the States? Because it was something I've been it's a really – the short time I had to sit and think about it. Why do you think that's the case? Why do you think these promoters like Bob Arum and – Oscar De La Hoya and, you know, Al Heyman and, you know, and all these guys. Why do you think they don't get the intelligence enough? If you look at this, this is what should be done for mega fights. There, there's no reason why it shouldn't be. Why do you think it is? It boggles my mind these guys don't get it. I look at that and that's what I would do next. If I'm to do like whether it's Joshua Klitschko or Wilder and Joshua, if it's not in a stadium, they're doing themselves an injustice, in all honesty, if it's going to be in the States. my To answer that question specifically, I think partially it's a generational divide between those promoters, between like the Al Heymans or the Bob Aarons in the world. And you look at the, at the promoters at K1 Promotions, you look at Eddie Hearn, you mean there? There's a couple of decades of age dividing them. Eddie Hearn's the you know the younger guy who is more in tune with these fans, and I think Eddie understands the fight game probably better than any promoter right now. Right now, I think Eddie Hearn understands the fight game as a promoter more so than any other boxing promoter because all the fights, all the cards that he's done this year have been sensational. You look at the first card of 2017, the first major card, James DeGale versus Bado Jack. If you had asked me which of the two cards would have drawn a bigger attendance at the Barclays Center, that card or Sean Porter, Andre Berto? I would have said Berto Porter by a landslide. Just based on the names, you think that, you know? But then you look at uh, then you look at Eddie Hearn. He's able to draw a thousand people more to the Barclays for his fight than Berto Porter, which on the undercard for Berto Porter, it was a much better, much better and much more insane undercard. And the undercard was sort of similar to Jack card. So I think it just I believe I think it's Eddie Hearn is a younger, uh, more in tune with the fans type of promoter, and I think he understands what the fans want. And that's the and that's the whole thing. And you, you, you said it right at the beginning and it's spot on. You you were spot on. Sorry to cut you off, but you you're spot on. Eddie Hearn gets it. He's young. 
He's in his 40s. He gets it. You get, and I'm shocked Oscar doesn't get it. And that's always the thing. And Oscar gets it to a point because he's had Canelo fight at like the Alamo Dome. He's had him at Minute Maid Saves. Oscar De La Hoya gets it to a point. But why Canelo, and we'll get into this next thing, why Canelo and Chavez Jr. is not at Cowboys Stadium boggles my God. Fuck my, I almost said it. My goddamn mind. I almost dropped an F bomb. I almost would have gotten fired today. But able that. That should have been a Cowboys team. Eddie Hearn gets it because Eddie Hearn realized, okay, I may have to sell lower some of these ticket prices, but I'm going to get the magnitude of the event. I'm still going to make a lot of money. A lot of money. Pay-per-view. And then you have all the spo- advertising you were in the, in the sponsors that you were able to get to come on board. Eddie Hearn got it is the best promoter in boxing. If no one realized that this evening, he is the best promoter in boxing. And you had everything. Everything just worked. The promotion was good. The pomp and circumstance while Joshua Klitschko walking to the ring. It delivered. Perfect evening for boxing. It really was. People doubted the heavyweight division. They were wondering. It was floundering. But then you had the young guns coming in, the Wilders and the Parkers, the Ruizes, led by Anthony Joshua. And then you had the old guard, the last remaining bit of the old guard in boxing. And he fought. And he bounced. He got up off the canvas. Back. And he was moments away. He, if he would have fought like he was fighting in the later in the middle part of the fight, Vladimir Klitschko could have been the second fighter at the age of four over the age of forty to become the heavyweight champion of the world. He didn't win, but the fight it was the perfect evening for boxing. It was the perfect evening for heavyweight boxing and best fight I've seen in twenty seventeen. This is the best fight I've seen in a long time, and just. When you get two big names, and you know this, names, guys, usually the fight sucks. And you look at Canelo Cotto, that was a wipeout. Mayweather Pacquiao sure and sell didn't deliver. Two big names went in there and left it all on the line. Left it all on the table. And we got one of the great fights the best, perhaps one of the top heavyweight fights of all time, and definitely the best fight this year, and perhaps the best heavyweight title fight in the last 40 years. Because you give Eddie Hearn credit and the guys at K2, Clutch Ghost Promotional Team, but mostly Eddie Hearn, you give them guys a lot of credit. Good evening. They really did. One thing, and, and I'm just going for the, for the live chat, is that to answer sort of back to the question of why the English fans are, are like this at pretty much every single sporting event is that, one, the culture is different from here in the United States, and I agree. The culture is a big reason. And so some of the other countries, and, and, I, for, and I apologize for not giving some of these other countries like, um, enough credit because I think they're also extremely passionate sports fans like Brazil uh c phoenix said brazilian fans are equally as loud and hyped that sporting events gives it a bigger event feel i agree because i'm a i'm a humongous soccer fan and i certainly 
vouch for how passionate and loud Brazilian fans are. But yeah, I, I think that English fans are much better. And I think that th this fight was about as good as you can expect in terms of quality, in terms of pomp and circumstance, as you mentioned, in, in terms of the result. As cool as it would have been for Klitschko to finally get back, to get back on the mountain after so many people written it off, the better story is by far Joshua becoming the new face of the division. It is. And, back, and that, I, I didn't even answer that question. I am so sorry. I don't know where I was going. <laughs> I'm just so pumped. It's just such a, you know, it's such a great day and great time to be a boxer. And we'll pre I preface this to start with, we're fans. At the beginning of the day, we wouldn't be doing this if we weren't fans, first, first and foremost. And it just happens that we write about this and we do a podcast and stuff like that. And so I do, a, you know, I am, I'm not going to apologize. Forget you guys. Why am I going to apologize? I'm not apologizing for anything. But no, going back to that, in terms of boxing, England's king. England gets it. You know, the, the UK, like, right, they were talking about it. I thought, I thought it was a good setup at the beginning of the broadcast. Sometimes. A nice jab, by the way, by Mora Ronaldo in comparing the Joshua Klitschko and said it was more or less saying it was bigger than WrestleMania. I loved it. I loved that little jab. I, that that was I loved it. I, I texted him. He didn't answer back because I know he's extremely busy. Dude, that was a great comment. <laughs> and I put it on Twitter because I thought that was great. But they said it, they hit it on the head right at the beginning of how rabid these fans are. Love sports. They love combat sports. They love soccer. They love rugby. They love the, they love the wrestling. They, and they, and they, in the UK. For people that don't know that. And this is where the sports started. You know, and they get it. Where I don't think the United, the United States, we don't get it as much here. You know, and they get it there. And you see, and you see that. And you see how excited they are. Ninety thousand people. They they get it. You know, they came for the show. They came for Anthony Joshua. They came for their home countrymen. And he delivered. And no offense to Brazil. Brazil's got a rabid MMA fan base. Don't get me wrong. You know, can Canadians love their hockey. But you know, and we love our we love our American football. But at the end of it, you talk about the best fan base in the world. And I'm not saying this just because, and just and you look and you be general and you be honest with yourself. Boxing is the English fan base in the UK. Bar none are the greatest fans in the world. There's no doubt about it. If they did, if this, if this last. I'm looking at my clock here. Sorry about that. If the last three hours make people realize that, then I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. I'm sold. Yeah, same. I mean, I love whenever I have to cover a, a British boxing card, especially the one Sky Sports uh, broadcast, I love because I know I'm in for a show. Could And the fights are always good. They're always at least decent. The, the last Sky Sports card that I – um, that I covered was a Terry Flanagan one, and that wasn't a bad fight. Oh, that was a good fight. Yeah, it was a good fight, and the whole atmosphere, the whole feel of uh, of the fight and the event was elevated by a lot. Like you wouldn't get that that kind of atmosphere if you had done that exact same card in in New York or Las Vegas. No, 
And it's a shame. It really is because I love, you know, but does this bring back, because in my mind, does it help revitalize boxing? I don't know. Does it say all these days boxing goes as the heavyweight division goes? This is a great start. I don't know if it will definitely do it. But this fight, and I'm going to get reamed for this, and I know I'm going to, and I'm more than, and I'm more than fine with it. Because I, I, I just don't care, and it's how I feel. If this did what Mayweather Pacquiao should have been. Being told to toe for, for Klitschko and Joshua didn't do it. There were times they were boxing. There were times they were, you know, they were, Going to the body, and they were connecting. They were trying to. They were, you know, I saw a lot of good jabs this evening, especially by Joshua, which I was very surprised by. He was in the Olympics, and we've seen more of that from him. We've seen some pure boxing this evening. It wasn't just all knock 'em, sock 'em robots. They were well. They, these are two well-oiled machines. These aren't just two guys, barroom brawlers, standing in the middle of the ring. But this is what Mayweather Pacquiao should have been. Yeah. This evening. At the end of the day, that's what it was. This chance of bringing back boxing fans than Mayweather Pacquiao. I am a firm believer in that. Yeah. I think overall, this was a great night for boxing. I think it's a little too soon to say whether this helped boxing in the absolute long run. I think we'll get a better sense of that maybe on Monday when we have the, like, the final numbers for the, both the Showtime and HBO telecast. Because if combined, and I'm not looking at just simply the Showtime live broadcast, if the HBO numbers are also pretty good, then I think we'll get a better indicator whether or not uh, Anthony Joshua can draw in the United States, but also can the heavyweight division that's now back in the fall as one of the most popular divisions in the world, and the sport itself it gets a whole lot better. I'm glad you brought that up. What numbers are you brought it up? What number do you have in mind? You're thinking about it. Because obviously you are. Combined. If you want to give combined or you want to give individual, and then we go into combined, we're smart enough to do math, hopefully. Where do you think – what are you looking at in your mind? What do you think numbers-wise? Ooh, that is a – see, when you and I discussed this uh, on Thursday, I believe you said that uh, Joshua got 400000 in this last fight. On it was right under right – right I have it right here. I believe – He did – was 392,000 viewers. Okay, give or take 400. Live. Live. Yeah, live. Live. Against a, a guy, Deontay Wilder, also smashed. And a replacement and, fighter. Yeah. I'm going to say, combined, this could, I think this could do a, a million and a half. I think this could do a million and a half combined. And I know it's, it's difficult because... The, That's a bad number. Don't you really? think? That's a, bad bad, that's a bad number. Well, think about because you got to look. Think about how many no, people actually. Well, think about how many people actually tune in. Because on average, well, how often do you actually see HBO and Showtime 
or any of those telecasts actually doing seven figures in terms of viewership. Golovkin struggles sometimes to draw over a million viewers. But he gets there. And HBO. But he, but he gets there. But he gets, he gets there. there. You gotta but look. he gets there, but it's not easy. I'm going to say, you know what? I think you're right. Maybe thinking back a million and a half, because I didn't really think much about this. I was just going to wait and see. I'd say, I guess a more realistic number. could be between two and, and three million. I think anything under two million, I think, combines them. Utter disappointment. disappointment. Which is fair. Which is fair, because um, Thurman Garcia, that peaked at 5.1 million. And it was on free TV. You're talking CBS, where you're talking in terms of about a hundred and I think it's a little bit. It's, I know it's a little bit over a hundred million viewers. Subscriber bases that I think combined are right around fifty. So you're talking. You want a little bit more of that market share and, and more of that share, but I think just considering now the buzz that this fight is generated and the live viewing airs in a little bit over three hours from now. Before I get that, are you to watch the, the replay? Yeah. Tonight? Yeah, I'm definitely I'm putting my wife through. I'm putting my wife through the torture, and she's going to watch. <laughs> she's not home yet. I already told her. I texted her before we came on. And I'm like, she's like, how was the fight? She's like, you know, it seems like it's doing well. And I'm like, the fight was amazing. And guess what? You're watching it at, at 10 o'clock this evening in Illinois, in Chicago. I'm like three. I'm like this evening. We're watching that fight, just so you know. And she just put O. She's gonna go through the greatness I went through, and I think she's gonna enjoy it. But I'm looking forward to that. But at the end of the day, under two is a disappointment. I think even two is a disappointment. I'm more than a two and a half, three million. I'm thinking more. Going to go with. 2.7, 2.75. I'm going to go there combined. I may be a little high, but I feel that that strongly about, I think HBO will do the better number just because it's HBO. And it's no knock on Showtime at all. I thought Showtime, the way Showtime handled everything today, I thought was amazing. And I thought the broadcast was good. I even, Pauly Malignaggi actually was tolerable for once. Of course, Moro Moro was amazing. Um, Al Bernstein was Al Bernstein. He's he was amazing too. And I really and I, there's a lot of buzz going into tonight now. Even I think you're going to get a lot of people already watched it once are going to watch it again. I really do. I, I'm because the fight was that good. It was that good. It was that great to where I think you're going to get that turnover. My whole heart believer of that. I'm going with two point seven five. Okay, that's a pretty fair number. Um, but you went between two and three. That's you went between two and three. Sorry to cut you off. You picked a. You were very wide in that scope there, Heidi. <laughs> You're not getting away with it. You got to give us, give the fans, okay, at Fightful, give us, give the people a number, my friend. Sorry, I'm amped up, guys. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay, uh, really quickly before we finish wrapping up, I, okay, I'll give a. You didn't give a number. Two point twenty-five. You still didn't no. give a number. How much? 2.25. 2.25. Okay. All right. Now go. I try to skirt yeah. out of that there, Mr. Toro. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. So, we're just about to wrap things up. Uh, thank you for everybody that uh, joined 
our live chat. It's the and, and I have Sean just direct messaging me on Twitter. Give a number, which is like like. See, thank days. you, the the man, the myth, the man, the legend, the man who runs the ship. Sean Ross, Sean Ross Sapp agrees with me. Two great minds think alike, Sean. Can't you have to give the people what they want, man? Okay, I'm saying two point twenty five million. And okay, all right. So okay. thank you to everybody that joined in on our live podcast. Though our largest, our largest live chat, live viewership so far in the month and a half that we've been doing this. A month, actually, no month, not month and a half, month. But even still, month. Yeah. It's still. Thank you so much. Uh, leave a leave a comment in the video in the in the podcast visit fightful.com we have a ton of different great stuff tomorrow payback check out the fightful wrestling podcast with sean ross sap great always an entertaining podcast and again thank you so much once again to everybody giving us all the positive feedback because i get a ton of positive feedback i don't know uh, the kind of feedback that you get, but I get nothing but great things, and I'm so thankful for it. I'm, you, we're doing this for you guys. We're doing this for all of you guys. Um, I was really, me and you were talking off air Thursday evening, and me and you hit. We have goals. We're we're regular human beings, you know. But when we're we're two very competitive people, and. I was looking forward to this all day. I've been looking forward to that just because I'm looking forward to the fight in general, but I was really looking forward to this particular podcast just because the great feedback and we're like Carlos said, we're very, very grateful. We we're fans at beginning, beginning of the day, at the end of the day, in the middle. Yeah. We happen to do this. This is something, but we love to do it. And, this site's amazing. And, you know, a lot of people are, this site's finally getting, it's getting what it deserves. It's getting a lot of great traction. It's got a lot of great, you know, a lot of great rabid fans, a lot of great staff. Outcast, you know, we got the payback video podcast. I'll make sure you guys watch that after the show. You know, I want to say about payback, you know, WWE, it's always an entertaining show and we're going to bring it like no one else can. And we got, Sean Ross Sapp leading the helm tomorrow night. And we got guys like Showdown Joe, Elias Theodore, the best hair guys that I say in mixed martial arts. You got Sean Pearson. You got the great Frank Trigg, UFC Hall of Famer Frank Trigg. And then you have, to me, the best indie wrestler in the world today in the future of wrestling. We got my favorite man, the man who should have beat, who beat The Rock in 2003, Hurricane Holmes. So Shane Hurricane Holmes. So. A lot of great stuff here. We're just, I'm cog- you know, we're just a very tiny part. Glad to be doing this, and thank everyone for watching and listening and leaving comments, and it means a lot to us. So thank you. And so, I always go along with that. I don't know why. Oh, sorry. I go along with it all the time. I don't know why, but I'm just grateful because we get to do this together, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And it's and it's fights like this, Carlos. And my, I, I sincerely say this, and this. That make it great. That it makes it great to do this. It really does. All right. So for the visit fightful.com, we'll have around the clock coverage of all the biggest UFC events. WWE boxing will definitely be back next week with a Canelo versus Cesar Chavez preview. And hopefully, I don't know what the schedule podcasting schedule is like. I'm gonna have to talk it over with Sean. But we may do another podcast similar to this. After Canelo 
and Chavez. Yeah, after yeah, after Canelo and Chavez Jr. And so visit Fightful.com for all the best, the only site that gives you MMA, wrestling, and boxing coverage. For Steven Mielhausen, I'm Carlos Toro, signing out. Again, thank you for everybody that joined in. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big